Chapter Six of Haworths. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gail Timmerman Vaughan. Haworths by Francis Hudson Burnett. Chapter Six. Miss French. It was considered after this a circumstance illustrative of Haworth's peculiarities that he had taken to himself a protege from among the hands that said protege was an eccentric young fellow who was sometimes spoken of as being scarcely as bright as he should be that he occasionally dined or supped with haworth that he spent numberless evenings with him and that he read his books which would not have been much used otherwise murdoch lived a regular unemotional life in happy ignorance of these rumours it was true that he gradually fell into the habit of going to haworth's house and also of reading his books indeed if the truth were told these had been his attraction. "'I've no use for em said Haworth candidly, on showing him his library. "'Get into em if you've a fancy for em His fancy for them was strong enough to bring him to the place again and again. He found books he had wanted but never hoped to possess. The library, it must be admitted, was not of Jem Haworth's selection, and indeed this gentleman's fancy for his new acquaintance was not a little increased by a shrewd admiration for an intellectual aptness which might be turned to practical account you tackle em as if you were used to em he used to say i'd give something solid myself if i could do the same there's what's against me many a time knowing naught of books and having to fight my way rough and ready from the outset of this acquaintance murdoch's position at the works had been an easier one it became understood that haworth would stand by him and that he must be treated with a certain degree of respect. Greater latitude was given him, and better pay. And though he remained in the engine-room, other and more responsible work frequently fell into his hands. He went on, in the even tenor of his way, uncommunicative and odd as ever. He still presented himself ahead of time, and laboured with the unnecessary absorbed ardour of an enthusiast, greatly to the distaste of those less zealous. Thou gets into it as if thou were doing for thy son said one of these happen feeling the sarcasm a strong one happen thou'rt fond on it oh yes unconsciously that's it i suppose i'm fond of it the scoffer bestowed upon him one thunderstruck glance opening his mouth shut it and retired in disgust there's a chap he said jerking his thumb over his shoulder on returning to his companions there's a chap as says he's fond o work fond on it with dramatic scorn blast his eyes fond on it with Floxham he had always stood well, though even Floxham's regard was tempered with a slight private contempt for peculiarities not easy tolerated by the practical mind. The chap's gettin' gumptiony now, in his way, he said to Haworth. If out breaks down or gets out of gear, he's aw there, but there is not a lad on the place as could not cheat him out of his eye teeth. His reputation for being a queer chap was greatly increased by the simplicity and seclusion of his life. The house in which he lived with his mother had the atmosphere of monastic cell. As she had devoted herself to her husband, the woman devoted herself to her son, watching him with a hungry eye. He was given to taking long stretches of walks, and appearing in distant villages book in hand, and with apparently no ulterior object in view. His holidays were nearly all spent out of doors, in such rambles as these. The country people began to know his tall figure in long stride, and to regard him with the friendly toleration of strength for weakness. They say e Broxton, it was said among them, as his father did daft, and it's no wonder the young chap's gettin' queer ways. 
He's good nature in now, though he a simple road. His good nature manifested itself in more than one way, which called forth comment. To his early friendship for Janie he had remained faithful. The child interested him, and the sentiment developed as it grew older. It was quite natural that, after a few months' acquaintance, he should drop in at the household of her parents on a Saturday afternoon, as he was passing. It was the week's half-holiday and a fine day, and he had nothing else to do. These facts, in connection with that of the Briarley's cottage presenting itself, were reasons enough for going in. It occurred to him, as he entered the narrow strip of garden before the door, that the children of the neighbourhood must have congregated to hold high carnival. Groups made dirt pies, clusters played bobber and kibs, select parties settled differences of opinions with warmth of feeling and elevation of voice. A youth of tender years in corduroys, which shone with friction, stood upon his head in one corner, calmly but not haughtily presenting to the blue vault of heaven a pair of ponderous brass-finished clogs. "'What dost want?' he demanded, without altering his position. "'The missus isn't in.' "'I'm going in to see Janie,' explained Murdoch. He found the little kitchen shining with a Saturday cleaning up. The flagged floor, as glaringly spotless as pipe clay and sandstone could make it. The brass oven handles and tin pans in a condition to put an intruder out of countenance. The fire replenished. And Janie, sitting on a stool on the hearth, enveloped in an apron of her mother's, and reading laboriously aloud. "'Eh, dear me!' she exclaimed. "'It's yo, and I am not fit to be seen. I were settin' down to rest a bit. I've been doin' the cleanin' all day, and I were real done for.' "'Never mind that,' said Murdoch. "'That's all right enough.' He cast about him for a safe position to take, one in which he could stretch his legs and avoid damaging the embarrassing purity of the floor. Finally, he settled upon a small print-covered sofa, and balanced himself carefully upon its extreme edge, and the backs of his heels, notwithstanding Janie's civil protestations. "'Do not thou mind the floor,' she said. "'You needn't. Set you down comfortable.' "'Oh, I'm all right,' answered Murdoch, with calm good cheer. "'This is comfortable enough. What's that you are reading?' Janie settled down upon her stool, with a sigh, at once significant of relief, and a readiness to indulge in friendly confidence. "'It's a book I get in fro the Broxton Chapel Sunday School.' It's the Mem... M-E-M-O-I-R-S. Memoirs, responded Murdoch. Memoirs of Marianne Gibbs. Unfortunately, her visitor was not thoroughly posted on the subject of the Broxton Chapel literature. He cast about him mentally, but with small success. I don't seem to have heard of it before, was the conclusion he arrived at. How not yo? Well, it's a noise book, and there's lots more like it in the school library all about Sunday-school scholars, as has consumption, and the like, and reads the Bible to folk and dees. They all on em dee. Oh, doubtfully, but still with respect. It's not very cheerful, is it? Janie shook her head with an expression of mature resignation. Eh, no, they're none on em cheerful, but they're noice to read. This here and now, she had the asthma, and summat wrong wi' her legs, and she knowed all the Bible through, aside of the hymn-book, and she'd sing all the time when she could breathe for the asthma, and tell folk as if they did not go and do likewise, they'd go to burn in hell, where the fire is not quenched, and the worms dieth not. It can't have been very pleasant for the friends, was her companion's comment, but there was nothing jocose about his manner. He was balancing himself seriously on the edge of the little hard sofa, and regarding her with speculative interest. "'Where's your mother?' he asked next. "'Who's gone to the chapel?' was the answer. "'There's a mother's meeting in the vestry.' and who's gone there and taken the baby with her? 
the rest of the children is playing out at the front he glanced out of the door those are not all yours he said thunderstruck ay they are that eh drawing a long breath but is na there a lot of them there's eleven and i've nursed em nigh every one he turned toward the door again there seems to be a great many of them he remarked you must have had a great deal to do that i have i've wished money a time i'd been a rich lady there's that daughter of french's now ha eh i'd like to have been her i've never heard of her before he answered who is she and why do you choose her cause she's so handsome she's that there grand she looks like she thought everybody else were dirt i've seen women as were bigger and wore more clothes at onct but i never seed none as grand as she is i never seed her but onct she come here with her feyther for two or three week afore he went to furren parts and she were caught i the rain one day and stopped in here a bit she dropped her handkercher and mother's getting it yet it's nigh all lace would you like to see it hospitably yes feeling his lack of enthusiasm something of a fault i dare i should from the depths of a drawer which she opened with a vigorous effort and some skill in retaining her balance she produced something pinned up in a fragment of old linen this she bore to her guest and unpinning it displayed the handkerchief thou can tuck it in thy hond and smell it she said graciously it's getting scent on it murdoch took it in his hand scarcely knowing what else to do he knew nothing of women and their finery he regarded the fragrant bit of lace and cambric seriously and read in one corner the name rachel french written in delicate letters then he returned it to janey thank you he said it's very nice janey bore it back perhaps with some slight inward misgivings as to the warmth of its reception but also with a tempting recollection of the ways of menfolk when she came back to her stool she changed the subject we've been having trouble lately she said eh but i've seed a lot of trouble in my day what is the trouble now murdoch asked feyther it's allus him he's getting in we a bad lot and he's drinking again seems like neither mother nor me can keep him straight for all we told him haworth to turn him off haworth's not going to stand his drink and the lot he goes with i would not stand him he sin what lot does he go with eh impatiently a lot of foos as stands round in the publics and grumbles at the mesters and the wages they get and feyther's one of these softens as believes all they hears and has na getting gumption to think for his sin i've looked after him ever since i were three she became even garrulous in her lack of patience and was in full flow when her mother entered returning from the chapel with a fagged face and a large baby on her hip here tak him jane ann she said but tak off thy apron first or thou'lt tumble o'er it and dirty his clean bishop with the muck that's getting on it eh i am tired who's this here signifying murdoch it's mester murdoch said janey dropping the apron and taking the child who made her look top-heavy sit thee down mother you needn't mind him he's a-workin mon his sin when murdoch took his departure both accompanied him to the door come in some time when the mester's here said mrs brierly happen you could keep him in a neat and that'd be summit halfway up the lane he met haworth in his gig which he stopped where hast thou been he asked dropping into dialect as he was prone to do to brierly's cottage talking to the little girl haworth stared at him a moment and then burst into a laugh that's a queer chap he said i can no more than half make thee out if thy head was not so level i should think thou wert a bit soft i don't see why answered murdoch undisturbed the child interests me i'm not a lancashire man remember and she is a new species 
get in said hawworth making room for him on the seat murdoch got in and as they drove on it occurred to him to ask a question who's french french said hawworth oh french is one of the knobs here he's a chap with a fancy for being a gentleman manufacturer he spends his brass on his notions until he's been obliged to draw in his horns a bit he's never lived much in broxton though he's got a pretty big place here the continent's the style for him but he'll turn up here again some day when he's hard up and now there's his place now and as he spoke they drove sharply by a house standing close among the trees and having an air of desolateness in spite of the sunlight End of chapter 6